0: What's up, everyone? Good morning, and once again, welcome to our Water's Edge Sunday morning online worship experience. Thank you so very much for hanging out with us today and tuning in. For those of you that continue to like and share these online worship experiences with your circle of influence, thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. We have people tuning in from all over the place, and it's very helpful. Also, for those of you that continue to worship with us online through giving and generosity, maybe by meeting our new $10 challenge, Thank you so very much for doing that. Continue to do that. You allow us to help more people, love more people, feed more people, and serve more people. You allow our gathering to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to our community in our city. Today, we continue with our current series entitled One More Day. And like I told you last week, I have to be honest with you, this issue, this series, this study is very, very personal for me. And honestly, I feel very, very I have this urgency in me that we need to deal with this. I have this urgency in me that we need to talk about this, but that we need to talk about it in a very healthy way, in a very practical way, and in a very spiritual way, because all throughout history, the Christian church has added to this problem. So I don't want us to add to this problem. So this is very personal for me. It's also very new for me to talk about this in church and talk about this in a worship service, but I think it's needed, and I think it's absolutely necessary. so this is what we're dealing with. This is the question that we're trying to answer and notice this today. How can I deal with either my own mental illness and my own mental battles or someone who is close to me that deals with a mental battle in a way that's practical and spiritual? My mom is one of the smartest ladies that I know and she told me one time that when you're struggling mentally and you're exhausting mentally, then you don't just do life well when you're tired. You just don't do life well when you're exhausted in your spirit. You just don't do life well when you're exhausted In your soul, you just don't do life well when you're exhausted in your thinking and in your emotions and in your conflicts. How true is that? When life is just exhausting because you're fighting so hard to keep your mind stable. When life is just exhausting because you're fighting so hard to keep your emotions stable. When life is just exhausting because you're fighting so hard to keep your conflicts peaceful and to keep your choices and your reactions under control and to not be impulsive. It's a very exhausting thing. When your thoughts and your patterns and your mental health is encouraging you to do the exact opposite of what you know you need to do. It's exhausting on the inside. And we don't do faith well. We don't do emotional management well. We don't do mental management well. We don't do our reaction management well. We don't do conflict management well when we're exhausted on the inside, when we're tired in our heart, when we're tired in our spirit, when we're tired in our mind, in our thinking, and in our soul suffering with our mental health battles, things like this, depression, severe sadness, anguish, anxiety, fear, panic, uncertainty, many times it's like you're wearing a coat with weights in it, like a weighted jacket or a weighted coat. Now, we were all taught growing up in church that Jesus is all you need. He is all you need for everything that you face. He's all you need for all your adversities, all your struggles, all your battles. A relationship with Jesus Christ is all you need and He's all you need to help you with your mental health battles, with your depression and your anguish and your sadness and your loneliness and your fear and your anxiety and your panic. That Jesus is all you need to deal with those types of battles and struggles. But if that's true, then Jesus is all you need to deal with your other physical and your other medical and your other health problems. And I've known several Christians who tried to do that. They said Jesus was all they need. And usually they said that until they got sicker and sicker and sicker until they finally made a doctor's appointment and went to the doctor or they went and met Jesus sooner than they expected to or they wanted to Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 this is very very interesting how this story unfolds if you're still with me Sam's still with you the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it but the Lord God warned him you may freely eat from the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you eat its fruit you are surely going to die something we have to understand today is this in the beginning we see that God steps onto nothing and he creates everything and God said in the beginning when he created everything in creation everything you me everything that we see the environment the mountains the ...the oceans, the seas, the rivers, the lakes... All of creation. He said that it was good and he said that it was very good. Adam and Eve never had to deal with a bad day. Adam and Eve never had to deal with depression or sadness. They were living in paradise. They were living in the perfect world. The world was not broken. God made it all good at the end of it all, after he was finished creating, he said it was all very good. Eve never had a bad hair day. They never dealt with sickness or disease or pain or bad moods or crazy thoughts or thoughts going on in your mind that just don't make sense they lived in perfect peace and wholeness but this was all in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 but by the time we get to chapter 3 we see they gave in a temptation and the great fall happened in the beginning and when the fall happened everything broke Everything broke. God said that if you eat the fruit of this tree, then death and sickness and sin and temptation and heartache and pain and disease and tears and war and brokenness is going to enter the world. They ate the fruit. They gave in a temptation. And everything that was at peace, everything that was perfect, everything that was considered by God to be very good was broken. It all broke. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Notice this. this. This thought today. The fall would curse all of creation with its effects of death until Jesus returns sometime in the future to redeem all things. In the letter of Revelation, the apostle John writes about this vision that God gave him. One day, Jesus Christ is going to return to this world. It's called the second coming of Jesus Christ, and when he does, notice what he notice what's going to happen. Right now, the world is broken. It's been broken. It's been dying. It is broken and just crumbling on the inside. Since the fall and the beginning and nothing's going to be put back together again until one day Jesus Christ returns. And notice the scene when it says he returns in Revelation chapter 22 verses 1 through 3. Then the angel showed me a river, the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb of God. It flowed down the center of Main Street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. To heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and the Lamb of God will be there and His servants will worship Him. One day Jesus Christ is going to return to earth and Bring heaven to earth. He's going to come here, and he's going to resurrect everything. People have been asking me, telling me, with the war going on in Israel, does that mean that Jesus is going to return soon? We don't know when Jesus Christ is going to return. It points us towards His return, and it points us towards the need for His return. Because when He does return, there's going to be no more sickness, no more heartache, no more pain, no more war, no more mental health struggles. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. And the best way to let that not scare you is just to make sure that you love Jesus and love people and follow Jesus but it's all broken it's all broken since the beginning one day Jesus is going to return and resurrect everything and make everything like it was in the beginning but that hasn't happened yet none of that has happened yet and so we still live in this broken world and broken things still happen because everything and everyone is still broken let me say that again broken things still happen to you and I because everything and everyone is still broken so in the meantime it's like you and I are living in between these two trees in the beginning you had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil don't eat that fruit in the end when Jesus returns and he resurrects everything everyone and all of creation and he brings a new heaven to this new earth there's going to be the tree of life in the city of Jerusalem and so we're living in between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life we're living in the meantime time in the middle, and everything and everyone is still broken. And so understand this today and notice this. Broken does not mean bad or evil. It simply means imperfect and dying. Broken. You're broken. I'm broken. The world is broken everything is broken the systems of our world is broken that doesn't necessarily mean bad or evil it means imperfect and dying and logically we should understand this when you become a Christian when you give your heart and your life to follow Jesus in faith you don't automatically and suddenly become completely perfect and whole it doesn't stop the broken and aging dying process that our mind and our emotions and our bodies and our world is still going through becoming a Christian does change what happens to you after you die you get to be with Jesus and it does change your heart here on earth before you die and your conscience here on earth before you die and your desires and your life and your impulses on earth here before you die but it doesn't make you completely perfect and it doesn't stop the broken dying process none of that changes until Christ finally returns once and for all so in the meantime in In between these two trees, even as believers, you and I still battle with pain. We still battle with sadness and loneliness and heartache and brokenness and disease. And yes, sometimes we still deal with mental health battles. Why? Because everything and everyone is still broken and we can sense it. Everything and everyone is still broken and we can feel it. Everything and everyone is still broken and we know that it surrounds us and we know that we can feel this in our souls. So living with a broken Broken mental health is like living with this weighted coat on. And understand, when you live with a broken mental health and you have this weighted jacket on, there's nothing you can do that's going to remove all the weights. But medication can remove some of the weights healthier habits and patterns can remove some of the weights. Professional therapy and counseling can remove some of the weights. Necessary boundaries with your triggers can remove some of the weights, and a very real relationship with Jesus Christ can remove some of the weights. It doesn't remove all the weights. That won't happen until Jesus splits the sky and returns one day and resurrects everything, but right now here today following Jesus it can remove some of the weights of your mental health battles. I remember remember when I was in college, every Friday night, it was on Friday nights, it was really cool. We had this college Bible study, a young adult Bible study at my dad's church. And every Friday night at 6 o'clock, we had about 50 college students in there praying together, worshiping together, helping each other out, talking about God, talking about our faith, studying the Bible. And one day, one of my friends invited someone that he'd went to school with in high school because this guy's mom had called him and said, hey, I'm worried about my son. Can y'all please invite him to church and pray for him? Him. He's severely depressed, and he's addicted, and I don't know how to get him out of all these troubles. And so he says, sure. He goes and picks him up, and he brings him to our Friday night Bible study. And you could tell this young man was very uncomfortable. And about halfway through the Bible study, my friend who brought him got convinced that he this this guy was possessed by a demon. So after the Bible study, and he was just really severely depressed, but my friend was just convinced, man, he had some evil spirits. So after the Bible study, me and my friend bring the guy that he invited who was severely depressed home. And about halfway home, my friend starts talking to him saying, said, Hey, man, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to give your heart to Jesus. He can set you free from all that darkness and depression. Give your heart to Jesus. And he was talking to him like he had a demon, like he was trying to confront this evil spirit. And it weirded this guy out to the point where this guy said, Stop the car. He jumped out and he walked the rest of the way home. Well, once he did that, I looked at my friend. I said, Hey, man, I said, He's probably just severely depressed. You need to cool it with a demon-terminator act. He doesn't have a demon. He's dealing with a mental health battle, and he needs some patience, some grace, some mercy, and some love. What he really needs is to feel safe to talk about this. He's not going to come back to church, and he's not going to come back to the Bible study. And guess what? He never did. He never came back to the Bible study. He never came back to that church. But why? Well, this is why. He didn't need an exorcism. He needed some patience, love, grace, compassion, and mercy. He needed someone to show him how a real relationship with Jesus could remove some of the weights that his severe mental health battle was giving him. Maybe not all the weights, but some of the weights. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the missionary Paul is sending a letter of instruction and teaching and mentorship to a young preacher named Timothy. And as he begins this letter to Timothy, he makes a very simple statement and a very simple observation that many times you and I just pass right on over. And this is what it is. And notice this today, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, appointed by the command of God, our Savior Jesus Christ, Who gives us hope? I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God, the Father of Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. So notice a few things here about having a relationship with Jesus. It gives you hope, grace, mercy, and peace. Notice this simple truth. Remember this today. A relationship with Jesus gives us hope, grace, mercy, and peace. Now, why is that so important? Whenever myself you or someone that you're close to deals with a mental health struggle and battle, then in those times of depression, in those times of anxiety, in those times of panic and sadness and self-pity and emotional and mental breakdowns, we need hope because we feel hopeless. We need grace because we think it's our fault. We need mercy because sometimes we lose that battle in our minds and we need peace because sometimes our mental health struggles creates tension in our life with other people. Now, I told you last week that anytime I'm struggling with my own mental health battles, I always try to evaluate my thoughts and put them in a certain mental category. I have a question that I filter my thoughts through and this is what that question is and notice this today. Is this thought irrevocable Irrational, impulsive, or logical. If it feels like it's irrational or impulsive, I try to deny it. But the question that I've gotten a lot this past week is this. How do you know? How do you know if my thoughts and my feelings are irrational or impulsive or logical? How can I figure this out? And we can quickly sink in our mind. We call it thinking sand. Man, we're just sinking in our thoughts. So how do I know if this is irrational or impulsive or if this is reality? And so something I've learned that really helps me out is this. And notice this today. And this is great therapy. If you're still with me, Sam's so still with you. When you're sinking in your thinking, hesitate before you speak or act based on on your thoughts, hesitate to become negative. Hesitate to lose hope. Hesitate to let sadness overwhelm you because that may not be your reality. And one way I can tell if something is irrational or impulsive and not all that logical is if a few things start happening in my thinking. If these specific things happen in my thinking, then I can tell that my mental health battle is getting the best of me and I really need to focus and I really need to take this to Jesus Christ for some grace, Love, mercy, and some help through prayer. Notice what happens in our thinking when our mental health battles get the best of us. The first thing is this. I lose hope for the outcome. Depression, anxiety, fear, loneliness, negativity, all set in when you're being dominated by feelings of not having much hope for the outcome. What does it mean to lose hope? losing hope means that when most adversities happen to you in their normal adversities you go to the worst case scenario about the eventual future outcome you lose hope for the future outcome of your job you lose hope for the future outcome of your family you lose hope for the future outcome of this relationship your health your life your faith because you faced a normal adversity this is how you know when your mental health battles is getting the best of you when you face a normal adversity, but you go to the worst possible outcome. And I have to remind myself of this all the time and notice this today. It's not normal to go to the worst case scenario in my mind over a normal adversity. It's not normal to go to doom and gloom. Over a normal hiccup in this life. Anytime that happens to me, and I gotta be honest with you, that happens a lot, I take that thought and I deny it because I know that's my struggle in my mind that's talking to me. But this is also why a relationship with Jesus can help remove some of that heaviness because with Jesus, we know there's always hope. If there's a failure, there's forgiveness. If there's trouble, there's love. If there's confusion, there's wisdom. If there's a setback, there's a second chance and a third chance. And a fourth chance, and God still has a plan for your life, and so hope is not lost. Let Jesus take some of that weight off of you. Another way I can tell if my mental health battle is getting the best of me is if this happens in my mind. I lose grace for other people. Listen, just because someone, just because someone in your life doesn't meet some of your expectations, it doesn't mean that person is your enemy. Let me say that again. Just because you have some people in your life that are not meeting your expectations, it doesn't mean they're against you and it doesn't mean that they are your enemy. Mental illness will cause patterns of thoughts to make you think that you're a victim and it'll cause you to be selfish. Mental health battles will have thought patterns of being selfish and a victim, selfish and a victim. This is how we know that our mental health battles are getting the best of us. I'm being ignored, probably not. I'm being neglected, probably not. I'm being mistreated. I'm being left out. Probably not, especially if you're thinking that just because of some of your expectations are not being met every now and then. But people who let these thoughts take over usually live highly stressed and agitated with other people in their life. And this is how you can tell if this is happening to you. If the people that love you the most agitate you the most. If the people that love you the most agitate you the most, then your depression And your stress and your anxiety is taking you to places that you don't need to go. This is why we need Jesus, because he can take some of the weight out of that burden and give us grace for other people. If you start losing your grace for other people and you're easily agitated with the people that love you the most, then we need to let Jesus take some of that weight off of our shoulders. The next thing that happens in my mind when I let my mental health struggles get the best of me is this, and this is how I can tell, I lose mercy for myself. One of the easiest ways I've learned to spot my own mental health battles is this. I eventually end up blaming myself for everything. I just feel so low and so devastated. I face these normal hiccups, these normal adversities that most people face, and I blame myself for everything. And this is what I mean. It's a very clear sign that someone's struggling with their mental health. And notice this today and remember this. When you take a specific failure and turn it into a general failure. I failed a test so I am a failure. I failed at a sport, so I am a failure. I failed in this relationship, so I'm a complete failure. I failed at a certain job task, so I'm a complete failure. I failed one of my friends in need, so I'm a complete failure. I failed with that habit again and again and again, so I'm a complete failure, but that doesn't mean that your entire life is a failure and it doesn't mean that you are a complete failure. It just means that you had a weak moment. Let me say that again. Just because you had a weak moment doesn't mean that you're a complete failure and it doesn't mean that your life is a failure. It just means that you had a weak moment. But mental illness will take that bad moment to the worst case scenario and turn it into a bad life. A mental health struggle will take a bad moment, turn it into a bad day, take a bad day, turn it into a bad week, take a bad week, turn it into a bad month, take a bad month, turn it into a bad year, take a bad year and turn it into a bad life when it was just a bad moment. It's simply not true. Have some mercy on yourself. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross to give you some mercy. Anyone and you know this is true if this is you. Anyone who has suffered with severe depression and anguish and loneliness and fear and panic and anxiety and mental health battles know this is true. Many times we think this in our mind. I failed. I failed at this weakness in this one specific area. And so my entire life is a failure. I failed in my mind and so I'm a failure. I failed in my emotions and so I'm a failure. I failed this person and so I'm a failure. I failed with my addictions. I failed with my habits again and so I'm a failure. I failed with my impulses and so I'm a failure. No, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that you're a failure and it doesn't mean that your life is a failure. It just means that you had a weak moment and so stand back up again and give some mercy to yourself because as we're all going through it amen thank you so much for hanging out with us today thank you so much for tuning in we absolutely love you we cannot wait to see you back next week now stay tuned for an amazing time of worship with the amazing waters edge band we love you all